ideas, inspiration, innovation. This is The Game Changer. And now here's your host, Chickie Fitzgerald. Good morning, this is Chickie Fitzgerald, and it is Good Friday, and what a great day to talk about leadership language. We are here with author Chris Westfall, and his book is about using authentic communication to drive results. Chris, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, and it, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Chris, I always like to begin with having you tell our listeners about you and and sure. what brought you to the place where you wanted to write this book. Why this hmm. book and why now? Well, you know how when somebody comes up to you and they say, "So tell me a little bit about yourself." <laughs> the the way the way you answer that, it's it's always called an elevator pitch or an elevator speech. And a few years back, I was recognized as the US National Elevator Pitch Champion. So, I, yeah, I, I won a, a nationwide contest for having the best two-minute speech in the country. And, That's amazing. Yeah, and, and that was what helped me to launch my first book, which is called The New Elevator Pitch. And, and since, since then, I've published seven books. My eighth is Leadership Language. It just came out from Wiley last year. And I have made my career focus on helping people to communicate more effectively and to understand leadership language. In other words, so that they can create greater engagement from their teams, greater enthusiasm from their customers, and greater results from their revenues. So that's that's really what I do. And from the recognition as the U.S. National Elevator Pitch Champion, I've helped launch over four dozen businesses. I've raised over $100 million in capital. This is the book that really capitalizes on the conversations. You know, conversation is the key to your success as a leader. And anything that you hope to accomplish requires that you understand how to communicate more effectively. And I think that today in this era of artificial intelligence and technology, it's more important than ever that we understand how to create the authentic connections and the human connections that really lead to new results. And that is the focus of leadership language. It's helping people to connect and engage at a deeper level, at a more powerful level, so that they can drive the results that they need, whether those results involve launching a business or bringing new products to market or simply creating more significant relationships and partnerships. That's what leadership language can show you how to do. Mm, I love that. And again, uh, bravo on your ability to communicate that succinctly, because I know when when you have spent so much time writing a book, uh, sometimes it it gets a little bit lost, but, but you've done just an amazing job uh, of articulating that. So let's move right on to why is it that leaders can't lead uh, by by even being called a leader. Obviously, at some level of recognition of achieving some some level of position, uh, you know, within an organization, or as you mentioned, it could also be someone who has a great idea and is trying to get a startup funded. So, what happens when leaders can't lead? Well, the challenge is that people lose sight of where leadership really comes from. And what is it that makes someone a leader? Is it the title on the business card? Is it the size of your office? Is it the fact that you're the founder of an organization? 
or is it something more? For me, leadership is something more than just a, a title or a business card or a role or even a responsibility. Leadership is about service and leadership is demonstrated not by the title you acquire, but by the actions you inspire. If, if that makes sense. I'm sorry to go all Dr. Seuss. Oh, there. No, I, didn't no. mean, I didn't mean to. <laughs> That's just kind of how it came out. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. But, no. But, and but I think it, and I think it's interesting that you bring that up because I, I know, for instance, I was born to be a leader when, hmm. when my bag was packed before I was even conceived, right. It included everything I needed to hmm. lead. And, and so for me to do anything other than be in a leadership role would would just be a misuse of those gifts right right and and sometimes there are circumstances that come up where, where you can't lead either you're you know i remember in my days i i was with american airlines saber uh one of mm. the earliest travel technology companies and you know i was in a position where it, it was difficult to lead because I was an individual contributor, right? I didn't have a staff, um, but I still had to figure out how to make my voice heard. And, you know, I think that that's really this whole thing about leadership language is, is finding a way to get your, your voice heard. Mm, I agree. And, and the way to get your voice heard, even as an individual contributor, is by looking in the direction of service an impact. I mean, it's the mm -hmm. service that you provide, right? Because the leader, the service the leader provides is to make the team better in some way, more effective. And that's the service that the leader provides to help others to excel and to achieve more than they could on their own. And that is a, a role and an impact that you can create even if there's not uh, a reporting structure or bureaucracy. I mean, we're, we're all able to serve others. And when that service creates the kind of impact that others are looking for, they naturally flock to that individual and those ideas. So that's that's sort of an organic look at how leadership can take shape. If folks are listening and wondering, you know, how can I go from being an individual contributor to really making my voice heard? It's It starts with the ideas that you have, the ideas that you want to share, and then the service that you can provide. The ideas and how they can impact others is really the, the source of leadership. Right. And I love how you frame uh, a couple of things in, in chapters two and three of your book. You're talking about both going beyond your limitations and also conversely going beyond your strengths, which I, I don't think people really even think about that concept uh, when they think about leadership. Well, it's vital because stopping at recognizing your strengths, which can be a very valuable exercise, right? And knowing that you're an activator or a learner or whatever can be very, very valuable. But the way that your strengths become even more valuable and especially valuable to others is when you put your strengths into action uh, because your strengths are simply characteristics, right? They're descriptors that help us to self-identify. But self-leadership requires that we take that knowledge and turn it into something useful. We have so much information that bombards us every day. Information mm. is everywhere. And if, if you don't believe me, just Google it. And what people <laughs> are looking for is they're, lo they're looking for insight. They're looking for information that they can use. And the leader's job is to really parse through the, the myriad of details that are out there and say, you know what, here's what I think matters most to me and here's why it matters most to you and that's when self-identification takes the next step to self-leadership 
and points you in the direction of the service that you can provide. Mm -hmm. You also talk about uh, that mountain, which is called change. Mm -hmm. and, and as we know, there are some people who absolutely run after change, right? They seek sure. it out. But the majority of people, particularly in corporate organizations, really are quite uncomfortable with change because it, it brings in new risks and unknowns. So it, it would seem that the leader's role is really to conquer that, that mountain called change. And, and uh, if it is necessary to really get everyone on board with that. It's a great leadership question. How do you help people to conquer the mountain called change? And the mountain is a great, I think, metaphor to, to explain a challenge that leaders face and that organizations face and that people face when they are facing this, this metaphorical mountain that, that you're speaking about. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, think about it, two people approach a mountain and one person says, look at that mountain. I'd like to, I'd like to hike that mountain. I'd like to climb to the top of that mountain. That looks like an adventure. It looks exciting. And that's one person's perspective. And another person looks at the mountain and says, wow, I really want to go home and watch Netflix just thinking about hike. You know what I mean? And, and believe me, I mean, Chicky, I'm some, sometimes I like to hike the mountain and sometimes I like to watch Netflix. But, and, and you know right. what I'm saying, it, the, the thing that shows up for me is not that the mountain is good or bad or the mountain makes us want to watch Netflix or makes us want to hike it. It's, it's our perspective. And yes. more importantly than our perspective, it is our thinking about the mountain that makes it either good or bad, that makes it something that we want to climb or something that we want to avoid. Right. And in organizations, there are a lot of people who are busy placing labels and thinking around these ideas of change and, you know, and looking at change as a mountain that can't be, can't be climbed. But right. human beings have a history of innovation, of resourcefulness, of, of achieving amazing things. And there was a time when, you know, I mean, you pick any technology you like, there was a time we didn't have microwave ovens, things that looked impossible. Mm -hmm. that are now part of our day-to-day -day life. And that's, that's one example from way back, and there are many, many more. But the point is that we all have the capacity for change. We have the capacity for innovation, and we have the ability to overcome mountains that seem insurmountable. And human history is a story of people overcoming the impossible time and time again. The key to overcoming that impossible is to take a clear-headed look at the thinking that surrounds that mountain, that thing that looks impossible, because the label that makes it impossible exists in our mind. The mountain right. is neither good nor bad. Change is neither good nor bad. It simply requires a perspective to help you overcome it. Right. And you know, it, it's so funny because as you were talking about the first uh, set uh, of, of your own perspective about the metaphor of the mountain. It, you know, it was about the, the climbing or the not climbing. Uh, I was seeing it from the perspective of you've got to get on the other side of the mountain, right? And partially because I would never be the one to climb the mountain, by the way. Uh. But, but I'm the resourceful one who would either figure out a really clever way to go around it or I would be on the phone getting, uh, you know, hiring a helicopter to get me to the other side, right? And, and when we take a look at the normal culture within particularly a corporate organization, and I've been out of corporate life uh, by choice for over 22 years, mm -hmm. because the culture 
was the this incredible um, lengthy analysis of the mountain, right? right? And then then you know perhaps taking the long way around. And and I was thinking about the uh, the Israelites leaving Egypt, right? Mm. It was about a twenty two day walk to the promised land, right? Mm. But but mm. they chose they chose the forty year route, and and. <laughs> So as a leader, I think we are compelled to help people see that, yeah, maybe you can't make it in 22 days, particularly with a million of your closest friends, you know, by your side, but that you don't have to settle for the status quo and, and that sometimes that change isn't necessarily climbing a mountain or getting to the other side of the desert, but it's actually being willing to change your pace. So let's talk about influence, mm. because again, one, mm. one of the things about being a leader is to be able to influence people to do something that they're uncomfortable with. Now, you also introduce a very, very interesting concept of the empty chair. Oh, talk yes. to us about that. Well, the empty chair helps leaders to look in the direction of true impact. And if you're clever about it, it can help you to actually read minds. And let, <laughs> let, me, explain, let me explain what I mean and see see if you see it. Because one of the approaches that I take in the book, and this is, this is part of my transformational coaching and the way that I work with my clients, is that I try to point towards things that not just that I see, but the things that if I see them and you see them, chances are we're looking at something that is a principle, an idea that we we both understand and that seems to appear as the way that things work, like the law of gravity or the way that a fulcrum works or other simple machines. I mean, these, these ideas, when they are seen by two or more people, can even go beyond the impact of, of research and statistics. So let me share with you the story of the empty chair and see if you see in this something in in human nature and something that can point to the way that our minds work so that we can actually read minds let me explain <laughs> the empty chair is a metaphorical seat at the table it's a seat at the table for someone who is not in the room but who will be directly and dramatically impacted by any change that you propose now let me explain any persuasive conversation is about change. And as you've said so well, leadership is about challenging the status quo and helping people to move through change. Mm -hmm. So the empty chair is a seat at the table for, and think about this for a second, for the patient who is going to go through the MRI machine next year. She's not in the room when the doctors and hospital administrators are making a multi-million dollar investment decision. And yet, She's the one who's going to be directly and dramatically and personally impacted by that, that choice. So the empty chair points us in the direction of impact. Uh, the mm. empty chair, it, another way to think of it, Chicky, is the empty chair is a seat at the table for your customer's customer. And whether that customer is internal or external, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, your employees have people that they are thinking about right now. Your customers have people that they are thinking about right now, just like you and I do. I mean, think about it. Everyone listening to the sound of my voice right now, and including me, we are all thinking about the exact same thing. We're all mm -hmm. thinking, we're thinking about ourselves, which is not to say that I am selfish or anyone listening is selfish. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we, we act in our own self-interest, but think right. about it. Th that's our survival instinct, right? But isn't it true? I mean, I have people who, as I'm talking into this microphone, I have people who are here with me 
but I mean, they're not literally here with me. I mean, if, if you were in the room where I am right now, you would not see anyone else other than me, but they're <laughs> here with me. They're in my mind. I'm talking about, I'm talking about my family. I'm talking about the vendors that support me. I'm talking about the people on my team, the publicity right. folks that I work with, you know, all these folks. And I'm sure you have them too. And I'm sure everyone listening to the sound of my voice has them too. These are the people who sit in the empty chair. Right, right. I, I am so glad that you brought that up because I was just struggling this morning. I'm a serial entrepreneur in my mm. uh, tech company, which I have just built and we're getting ready to launch. We are a B2B technology, but we're actually B2B2B to see, right? So so our clients are our technology companies and they're selling to companies who are the the their users, right? But the actual end user of our product is somebody who needs to travel to a place or to an event. And so our client, they don't see that person in their empty chair, right? If they're mm. thinking about their client, they're thinking about and let's say it's a CRM company. So that that company that we're selling to their empty chair might be their client, but they're not thinking about the people who are coming to places and events that are represented in their systems. And so I've been struggling with how to communicate this uh, to our prospects. And I think that the empty chair is the perfect metaphor for that. So mm -hmm. let, let's move on. And I, I know we could talk about that probably for another half hour, but in, in the, uh, 10 or so minutes that we have left, I, I want to make sure that we at least touch on the other topics uh, from within your book. And you talk about leadership vision, and then you right on the back of that, you talk about, are you listening? And I've realized in my own leadership style, my biggest challenge is actually listening to other people and their input. Hmm. That's, that's a challenge for everybody. I mean, that's one of the things I say to people. I mean, I give a lot of keynotes, so I, I talk for a living. But in order to do that effectively, you have to listen, in, in my opinion. And I think the way pe people don't really stop to think, what's the most what's the most effective or powerful way to listen? So many times we listen to affirm, like to affirm what we already know, right? Like, mm -hmm. like what, you know, when she said that, it reminded me of Stephen Covey or, you know, something like that. Yeah, compared, exactly. Right. And, and that's a version of conversational bias. I mean, it's confirming what you already know, but when you're confirming what you already know, you're missing an opportunity to discover something new. And I believe that in every conversation, there is something to discover, whether you're talking to a five-year-old or you're talking to the CEO of a Fortune 500 company, there is something to discover. And when we come to the conversation with a spirit of discovery uh, and a natural curiosity that says there's, there's something to be learned here, there's something that I don't know. And when we look in that direction, chances are we find a reason to engage at, at new levels, to look away from our home, from our phones and to resist the, the right. impulse to try to amuse ourselves to death, as they say. And we, we go on a journey of discovery. The, the listen, listen to discover model is the key to creating greater engagement, but it's, it's hard to do. And I talk about how to do it in the book because we're so often drawn to this idea of, well, I just want to confirm what I already know because that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good about what I've, <laughs> what I've done in the past, right? It makes me feel good about the books that I've read. It makes me feel smart. But you know, when, when I'm around really smart people, they, they don't need to reconfirm their intelligence. They understand that the smartest thing they can do is to listen to discover. 
Well, you know, it's it's interesting then that you go on to talk about things like creativity and enthusiasm because the person who thinks they know everything mm-hmm. and and I do resemble that remark from time to time, right? Uh, we don't allow creativity and enthusiasm to to be the kind of the reigning part of who we are. And so you talk about these things as the surprise inside. So that discovery points you back to yourself, but not in a self-serving way, but in a discovery way. Sure, because you're looking for something new. I mean, visionaries leaders are interested in creating something new even if it's even if it's 0.02% greater efficiency than we had today that by definition is something new and so leaders who are interested in optimizing their results and in creating greater impact for their company are or should be looking in the direction of discovery and when we're trapped and looking at anything other than that you have to wonder where, where is that coming from? And and the way that I look at it in the book is, is asking folks, what what is it that you feel you need to prove versus what it is that you need to discover? I mean, if you need to, to prove that you are credible or that you are the authority or that you are uh, the the subject matter expert, that's, that's certainly going to guide the conversation. But what I ask is, and this is what I ask of my clients is, what if, what if it was a given that you are the subject matter expert. What if it's a given that you're the smartest person in the room? What if it's a given that you have the ideas that people need to know? Now that that's a given, now let's solve the real problem. Like like a math problem, right? Like like given that X equals five, why would you keep restating that X equals five? So, <laughs> so many times people do that. Right? Yes. They, and, and I don't know who they're trying to reassure themselves or their, their potential clients. But there's there's two questions that you can answer in a in a conversation. And you, I mean, for the folks listening, you decide which one is the one you really want to answer. The first question is, are you credible, and what is your experience? The second question is, how can you help us? I believe that when you move to that second question and you look in the direction of service and providing something of real value, that your credibility becomes established, that your expertise becomes evident. It's not just something that you're talking about or trying to prove. It's something that you've put into action. And and that's when that's when leadership really takes shape and your expertise really comes to life. Right. And you you talk again about using information uh, to make that impact, right? And engaging your audience and, and making that data personal to them. So uh, bringing it back to what what does it do for them and how does how is this information relevant? So you bring up other things about language to avoid when you're sharing information and trying to establish that credibility, right? And making that credibility connection. There are a number of tips in the book about how to create an effective presentation. And there are a few warnings about the kind of language that can stop uh, a conversation in its tracks. And it's a language of absolutes, such as you always or you never. Right. Because People are rarely absolute. Uh, I mean, even a perfect fool isn't perfect all the time. So there's a, a limit to that kind of language. And 
looking out for the things that you need to avoid can be the first step to creating a new kind of conversation. And, and one of the chapters in the book provides a, a detailed look at how to address everything from body language to the way that you breathe so, th so that you can bring your message to life, including the words that you need to avoid. Right. And you, again, you talk a bit about uh, assumptions that people make and blind spots that they have, but I want to jump ahead to uh, the penultimate chapter of the book, which is about the unbranding of a leader. Mm. Tell me about that. So many leaders are focused on personal branding and you creating an identity. And, and you see that online, especially for folks who are consultants uh, like me, who are interested in sharing their thought leadership. And, and that comes across in the packaging of a personal brand. But the unbranding of a leader is a chapter that really asks what's beyond that, beyond the branding, the social media presence, the white papers and authority that you establish for yourself looking at what happens once that authority is really established points you in the direction of a greater impact because personal branding can be a bit of uh, an isolated exercise in other words to to focus on yourself is not the focus of a leader not one that's really effective and interested in creating impact for the people around him or her so unbranding directs us to consider What's beyond the labels, the titles, uh, the attempts at proving subject matter expertise and establishing credibility? What is it that you would do if these things of your personal brand were established and understood by everyone around you? The question becomes, now what? And looking in that direction, mm -hmm. looking beyond, beyond branding is is where you see real results and i think and maybe this has been your experience too but that's that's where the real creativity comes through when we it's it's funny when we get out of our own way <laughs> that's when right. we create the greatest impact no i think you're so so right at that um we don't have time to get into uh, again the last chapter is one that uh, again i think we could probably spend a, a half an hour on this which is putting power into your presentation and then mm -hmm. you also wrap up the book in the appendix by sharing uh 10 leadership factors but what i'd like to jump to chris is you've mentioned that that you do coaching and that that you do keynote speaking if people want to follow you where's the best place to start in connecting to you and your your ideas and the services that you have uh, that are available. Well, my website is westfallonline.com, and that's where you can find out about my speaking, my consulting, my writing, my books. Uh, but I've also created a, a new website that I, I wanted to uh, introduce, and that's chriswestfall.net. And that's a place where you can find out more about some of the programs that I offer. My YouTube channel is also a great resource, free information there and uh, dozens of videos on effective communication skills. That's youtube.com forward slash Westfall online. So those are some online resources for you. Oh, that's excellent. So we've been talking today to Chris Westfall, uh, among several other books. He is the author of Leadership Language using authentic communication to drive results. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. And this book is just chock full of incredibly practical uh, elements of improving your communication as a leader. And uh, I just 
really encourage you to go out and uh, perhaps you should lay down your electronic devices this weekend and just read a book. Chris, thank you so much for joining us and uh, you've really given us some game-changing ideas about changing our leadership style and I so appreciate your time today. Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks so much and have a great weekend. You've been listening to The Game Changer. Ideas. Inspiration. Innovation. With Chickie Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald.